50-year low of unemployment. The Goldman Sachs CEO, I think roughly 3,200 employees terminated. Hopefully it's not spontaneous, yeah. (laughs) You know, if someone's going to be upset, they're going to be upset. Matt, you're right. It's like relatively simple to figure out whether you trigger a warrant act. Nothing good is probably going to happen. Sound Smart Business, where your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stomp, cover business in the news and add their awesome legal twist. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast brought to you by Pasha Law PC, a law firm representing your business in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. All right, welcome. 50-year low of unemployment. That's what we're going to talk about today, but the other side of the coin, which is all the layoffs that are going in the, la- in the tech sector, but especially in the last few months uh, here in 2023, and in particular, how to handle those layoffs from a legal perspective. Yeah, it's no secret to anyone, uh, anyone that's been paying attention to the news. It's, there's been a, a great amount of layoffs and mass layoffs, particularly in larger companies. So felt like this is a pretty appropriate topic from the legal standpoint and um, kind of on both ends of the employer and employee spectrum to see, uh, you know, just w- what exactly is out there and what people can do. Right. And so uh, we've been debating whether to cover this particular topic because we're kind of in a very weird, at least from my perspective, a weird economy right now. Despite the unemployment being at a 50-year low, we are seeing lots of news about layoffs. And so far, it's been seems to be a lot in the tech sector. But uh, one of the reasons we wanted to cover this is that I think we anticipate that this may start expanding a bit. Um, hopefully not. But when you're dealing with terminating an employee versus a large group, there are different issues that needs to be cons- need to be considered. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the the key points in all of this is measuring or comparing big companies versus smaller medium-sized companies i mean they're for for big companies it's to to me it's a whole nother consideration on what needs to be done for smaller companies it's there's still some legal aspects that need to be handled but it's there it's more kind of the the non-legal side of things that i think usually comes into play you'll see that in some of the stories that we're going to talk about um with this but you know, it's just it, it. Step one is looking at the business itself, seeing the size of it, and then, you know, making the the calls from there. Right. So when it comes to layoffs, this started back in I think um, besides 2020. I'm, we're talking about l- different kind of layoff where things have settled down um, a bit. And in 2022, really, that's really things when uh, uh, layoffs started to occur in the tech sector. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that's that's typically the way it goes. Is you see the Googles, the the Facebooks. Well, the, sorry, the the Metas. Meta. The, yeah. And you know, any any of those big tech companies, they're they're typically the first wave of uh, layoffs that you'll see, and that that kind of sets the you know you'll you'll see a mass amount at that point, and then that kind of sets the tone for the next 
six or nine or, or 12 months on what to expect from, you know, some, uh, some of the smaller companies. And it's, it just, it, it just kind of, it kind of puts that, uh, flag out there and, you know, just a, a fair warning on, on what's to come in the next year. Right. And so we're not going to talk too much about the, the cause of this. I mean, I think everyone's kind of in touch with the news, but one of the things that was very apparent in, uh, in all of this is because of technology changes, because of culture changes, because everyone's working from home, for example, especially in the tech se- sector, the communications around mass layoffs have both resulted in, frankly, humorous results and also uh, a lesson in bad practices on what not to do when it comes to laying off a massive workforce. Yeah, so I mean, so that's the stories everyone sees. You don't every, every story we see in the news is always a bad, you know, someone that made the wrong decision. You you rarely see a, an instance of some uh, CEO making the right decision, and that's right. some story in the news because that's boring. No one wants to read that. There's plenty of stories of executives making the the wrong call or just doing mm-hmm. something very blatantly or publicly as well. Um, and there's quite a few examples of that, but, but yeah, I, I think that's the, what you mentioned is the first key point. It's the, the remote worker aspect of it has definitely affected how terminations are done. Uh, you know, so again, just going back to what I was saying before, kind of the big company versus small company, even when there wasn't remote working, you know, pre COVID with big company was from a logistical perspective, it's still difficult to fire or to lay off a, a bunch of people at one yeah, time. hundreds, let alone thousands. It's, it's yeah. incredibly difficult. It's a logistical challenge. Um, but, but now, but, yeah, but now, I mean, not only you have that, but you also have the remote worker aspect. I mean, still, a lot of companies are still, whether it's 100% remote, 80% remote, or whatever percentage, it, uh, it definitely kind of throws a monkey wrench into how you're going to approach this. Because in the past, you, you know, I'll look at the smaller companies, you could... You could call someone in and you can sit down with them. But but now mostly I think everything's done via phone, uh, via Zoom, you know, what, what have you, or similar, similar concept. And, you know, there, there's some sort of people have different opinions on that stuff. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's practicality. It's like what has to be done at this point. If you're working, if if no one's coming into the office, it's not like you're going to I think if, if no one if you're not coming to the office every day and then your boss told you to come into the office on a. Right. What usually, what usually is a Friday, even though we don't necessarily agree with that. Um, that's probably not a good sign at the end of the day. Yeah, I, want, uh, I was having a conversation about what, you know, a client was asking what day of the week to terminate somebody. And, um, we, we actually, we, I think we went over this. We have a whole episode on how to terminate somebody or how not to terminate somebody. And a lot of the lessons from that can definitely apply to this topic in particular. But one of the things for sure is when it comes to communication is making sure that you understand that the termination event is when it comes to communication, it's not about you. And the more you make it about you, the more you're going to definitely fall into these traps. So the, one of the classic examples that uh, occurred, this was a, I think afforded uh, meme for, you know, for lack of a better word, which was from better.com when he fired uh, all of his employees through a Zoom call, which at that time, by the way, like, I think when you say, um, hey, the boss fired everybody via Zoom, 
Well, I, I think maybe two years ago that was kind of had some stigma around it, but now it's like, well, what's the alternative, right? I mean, like like right. Matt said, are you going to bring them in the office just for the sake of firing them? And if you're going to do that in mass, nowadays people aren't even in the same city as they used to be because of you know telecommuting and and working from home. So uh, Zoom is actually maybe a better alternative than just over a phone call or a letter in the mail or an email. Yeah, I actually watched that video uh, this morning. Uh, <laughs> I know you had done a, a response to, or kind of a play-by-play of it almost. Uh, for, for so we, should, better we should play it right now. Let's, let's just take a look at it. I'm, I, I haven't seen it in a while myself. So let me, uh, let's just play it in the podcast here. I'm going to take a look at it now. How not to terminate somebody. Well, let's first talk about the first good thing that he did. He got right to the point. What did he say? Your employment here is terminated effective immediately. Right. What he should not have said is made this about himself. I've, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this, and I do not, do not want to do this. The last time I did it, I cried. Um, this time I hope to be stronger. <laughs> they don't care. That is the, probably the last thing you should have said. No one cares how you feel. When you terminate somebody, you have to be compassionate, yet still to the point, and don't make it about yourself. Anything you say at that point is not gonna benefit you for the most part. Keep it short, keep it direct, and make it simple. So, so yeah, in that, in that case, the CEO talks about how this is so hard for him, the last, this is, he hasn't had to do this uh, only once before. And the last time he did it, he had to cry or he cried. I mean, this is like such a self-centered way to approach it that um, you're, and, and you're just going to ask for trouble. And why are we talking about this? Why is communication important on how you terminate somebody from a legal perspective is that this is all risk management, right? And we've talked about this before. It's like, whether it's a contract dispute or dealing with anybody, how you deal with them and the way that you deal with them, just like because they're human beings, has a direct impact to legal liability, hands down. And similarly, when it comes to terminating an employee, treating them like a human being has a, I mean, if besides why, why you should do that, putting that aside for a second, just if you want to take a look at it from a simple dollars and cents perspective, it is in the business's best interest to treat them as human beings. And yeah, that's just the bottom line. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're exactly right. And you sort of, if you're looking at it from the liability perspective, particularly it's what's, you know, I, either way, the person, if you get terminated, you're probably going to be upset. I mean, that's, that's not a surprise, but are you going to be, yeah. Are you going to be more upset or less upset if you, if basically the, the person, the CEO is, you know, basically making about them. You're going to walk away uh, even more upset, and and like you mentioned before, that's one of the reasons that we like to not do it on on you know we're recording actually late Friday today. This is the worst time because they sit on it all weekend, right? And they think about it, and then, you know they go home, and it's 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 just not and, ideal. Yeah, think about the alternative. If you're fired on it, just from your perspective, you're fired. If you're fired on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then you if if you're going home to an empty household because the rest of your family is going to school, um, your spouse is working too, possibly, 
And so now you're at home, what else are you going to do but look for another job, right? Um, because you're at home or, or have fun or take vacation. But if you're going home for the weekend to your family to give them the news that you are now in a bad financial situation possibly and still have to spend the weekend uh, kind of uh, around everybody and having fun and so forth, it's just a much different kind of setup. So yeah, I, I never liked the whole fire on a Friday concept. Personally, and I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, you know, you and I are coming from the concept uh, or from the place of we don't we don't know these. I mean, because we deal with this all the time with our clients, but we we don't know for the most part. We don't know the employees that are being terminated. So, you know, we we have an extra layer of of buffer there. So I I can see where the people that are actually doing it have you know, they want to push it as far as long because there's a relationship there. I, you know, that's just human nature. I get that. But, um, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do. I, again, you, you mentioned our episode about terminations. We, we talked about that there. So we're going too deep on this, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's a right way to, there's definitely a, a wrong way to do it. I'm, I'm not sure if there's necessarily a right way to do it. A perfect um, way. Yeah. yeah. A perfect way to do it. But, there's definitely a wrong way to do it. I mean, there's plenty of examples. We've, you know, there's just very what about pager quickly. duty? I thought yeah, that that's was what interesting. Was, that's what I was looking at right now. It's the CEO. Uh, was it? I think it was seven percent of the the workforce. She quoted uh, a Mar- she had a Martin Luther King Jr. quote in there, which yeah, that not. That- not it's hard to, well, you know what, it's just by saying that, that looks bad, but I actually looked up the quote and now I understand why it's just, again, it's, it's, it becomes about herself, right? Um, yeah. The quote was, well, I'll read you what she put in her message. So I am reminded in moments like this of something Martin Luther King said that quote, the ultimate measure of a leader is not where they stand in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand in times of challenge and controversy. And so what's interesting about this is that at first I'm like, wait, is she talking about the employees or is she talking about herself? And I realize I'm pretty sure she's talking about herself as a, because she's referring to herself as a leader and as if yeah. she had to make that difficult decision. Uh, again, I think so. It's just so self-centered. Yeah. And then it's, uh, I don't know if this is along the same lines, but the, the Goldman Sachs CEO, he, he they, I think they had, what was it? I think roughly 3,200 employees terminated. Um, and he, he said, I wish I would have done this sooner, which again, <laughs> is not, not something you want to say. You're, I mean, you're just asking for some sort of legal recourse at that point. It's, uh, yeah, he, maybe do you say that maybe to shareholders, perhaps that's what he was, who he was talking to, but not necessarily the, uh, a good PR message. So what I mean, so if we're looking at from the perspective of the employer, which we typically do, um, you know, what the, the kind of takeaways for this would be, you know, what, what are the important things to consider? I think for one timing, it's, I mean, we've already touched on that a handful of times already on this, the, the timing of, well, you know, you're going to do it. The, the t- oh, hopefully, hopefully you, you've played <laughs> hopefully it. Hopefully it's not spontaneous. You know yeah. 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 The, the timing is, is very important. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about even timing down to the day of the week, but this is something that should be thought about, I I would say, you know, months in advance, as long as you have that sort of, you know, unless something 
sort of catastrophic happened and it's some sort of rush, to, rush decision, you know, this is something that should be well thought out and well developed. And, you, you know, you have some sort of plan in place and, you know, it factors in the remoteness of employees and how many there are and, and all of that. But, you know, the, the timing of when you're actually going to do it, and we're, we're, well, we'll touch on this later, the there's legal aspects to this too on, you know, legal timing on when things need to be when right. notice needs to be provided. But I, I think timing is very key in this, in addition to you know how the actual message is communicated. Yeah, like you said, develop a very clear communication plan and then evaluate that, right? It needs, it's especially if you're in a larger organization, this needs to be a group effort. I, I feel like a lot of these CEO communications, you can tell they're just drafted without um, kind of checks and balances within the um with their organization because uh, they got to their position for a reason it's like hey look i'm the ceo i can handle this i'm i'm good at communications and so forth but some of those characteristics that may be great for running a company isn't necessarily great in how to communicate this type of event and honestly i think that's the separation and so this is especially if you're um it, first of all if you're if you're a ceo listening out there you know you you got to understand what you're what your strong suit is and um and it may be communication but that doesn't mean that you're the best communicator in this particular instance and if you're not a ceo but maybe someone that supports that person that's going to deliver that message understand that this is you know this is something that you have to kind of rein in uh as you develop this process and we're talking about not only getting legal involved but the hr professionals the uh from a financial perspective kind of Getting getting that plan together um, uh, coherently is incredibly important. Yeah, no, no doubt. And um, I think something that goes a long way is offering uh, offering some sort of assistance moving forward or help or you know I, I don't know how you want to define it, but basically saying something to the effect of like you know we're we're you know obviously this is not ideal for you, but this, you know we're here for you to help. And even often, again, there's, depending on the situation, you have to provide certain disclosures, but just in general, you know, offering something, you know, kind of extending some sort of arm out there and offering to help in, you know, whatever way you can, that that really goes a long way. And that's not a legal thing. It's more of a, it's, that's a personal thing. And, you know, from what we've seen, people react pretty positively to that. You know, if someone's going to be upset, they're going to be upset. You can't change that. But people that are kind of neutral or on the fence, you know, offering some way to help one way or another. It's, it, it does really go a long way because you're, you're talking about people, you know, this is going to be likely one of the, the worst days. It's one of the worst days of their year, maybe the worst day, depending on <laughs> what happens. So, you know, whatever you can do to just kind of assist them moving forward, it, you know, there, there might be a little bit of time taken long-term, but it's, it's worth it for the potential blowback from a disgruntled terminated employee. Right. And it's perfectly okay to do that. I think some, some employers may, for whatever reason, be reluctant to kind of have any communication after termination because they're kind of worried about other repercussions of that. But understand from it's entirely normal to, to provide uh, support and resources post-termination. These are things like, um, it's, it's more common in bigger companies, but what they call outplacement services, basically finding a way to find another position for that person. Um, on a, even on a smaller level, it's like, hey, I have to let you go, but you know, I'm happy to give you a good reference or give you a referral, et cetera. 
even little things like navigating the unemployment benefits process, right? We saw a lot of that in 2020 because the unemployment benefits was, uh, the rules were a little bit different as they made adjustments mm -hmm. uh, during COVID. Uh, but people that, especially in a layoff situation or mass layoff situation, there's going to be a lot of people there that have never been fired before or have never faced this particular situation. And so as simple as understanding how to apply for unemployment insurance or, uh, I'm sorry, unemployment benefits, but also health insurance, COBRA and things like that, uh, it's perfectly okay and frankly advisable to facilitate that kind of communication and providing those resources to those employees. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, it, it goes a long way and you don't want to be cold and have people <laughs> resent you long-term. So, uh, and the sooner they find a job, a new job, the, the, the quicker that they'll forget about this whole situation. So yeah, whatever you can do to kind of move that along is, is going to be, it's going to pay dividends in the long term. Right. So let's start exploring some of the legal risks uh, when you're uh, doing any kind of mass layoff, in particular to that. I mean, we can talk about things like the Warren Act, discrimination in there. Uh, we talked a little bit about health care benefits and, and paid leave. So why don't we just talk about what's this Warren Act, Mac? Why don't you start that out? Yeah, so this essentially deal, the, the Warren Act, so there's there's both federal and then state Warren Acts as well. But in, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on the federal because that's that's the starting point. So basically we're looking at a situation where there's quote unquote a mass layoff. Um, and so who's a covered employer in this situation? So we're talking about an employer with at least a hundred full-time employees. So again, these are these are big companies, small companies, medium-sized companies. This, this isn't going to apply to you because you're not going to hit that threshold. Um, what's the requirement? you have to provide a 60-day notice to the employees that are going to be laid off. Um, and then what qualifies, the, or I guess, what triggers that the warn notice? So we're talking about, um, let's see, so it's 50-plus employees at one employment site that are terminated within the last, or with that are terminated within a 30-day period. So from uh, full-time employees 50 to... 499, at least 33% of the employees are going to be terminated. And then above that, it's, I think, percentages are thrown out. Um, you know, but I mean, again, we're talking about bigger companies at that point. But the, the bottom line is, it's the notice. So the notice needs to be provided uh, at least 60 days prior, or else there's uh, potential repercussions. Uh, but my, my, my thought on this is, it's, it's not a difficult thing thing to comply with at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I, I understand why employers wouldn't want to give 60 days notice to employees that are going to be laid off because there's a lot of things that, you know, there's nothing good is probably going to happen between during that period. But, you know, the legalities behind it is like you, if, if you meet, if you fall into that category of you know, the, if you fit into those categories that I just mentioned, you have to provide that notice both on the federal and then possibly at the state level too. I think, I think California is 75 employees and not a hundred, but, um, but the, the federal one's important. You know, it's, you have to do that. You, there's, there's specific guidelines you have to follow and you'd be surprised how many big companies uh, have apparently failed to, have failed to follow this based on the lawsuits that have uh, surfaced in the last couple of years. Right. Um, 
almost famously, Tesla's facing a, a lawsuit regarding a mass layoff they did in January of 2022. Um, and I believe that's still going on, if I recall. Yeah. And, and the thing is that these things, so, I mean, Matt, you're right. It's like relatively simple to figure out whether you trigger a warrant act or not, especially if you're a big company. I mean, if you're, for example, if, if it's 500 or more employees that you're terminating, there's no percentages. It's just, you know, you, you, it's, it's, it becomes pretty obvious. I get it if it, it can become more complicated if, especially you have what are called rolling layoffs, because often what time, what happens sometimes is that you have people that are making financial decisions and saying, okay, look, we're not in a good financial state. Um, let's do a first round of cuts. Let's at least cut all the individuals that are, are so, so-called non-essential, et cetera, that are first to go. And the determination of whether to make a first or second or third or fourth cut um, is sometimes not known right away. And because of that, whether or not the Warren Act applies can be a little bit confusing. And so in that, that can, that's a little bit understandable from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave a very, uh, there's, <laughs> I don't want to make it seem like this is really simple. There's, there's a lot of rules and guidelines that go into what triggers it, what doesn't, what, what needs to be done. So it's not just, it's, it's not just a, you know, very easy black and white thing. I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of different components to it, but just in general, general, I was trying to, you know, explain how it works, but I mean, so the way you should look at it is this, if, if there, if you're contemplating a mass layoff, you just need to look into what the actual regulations are before you do it. Because if you, the last thing you want to do is terminate a bunch of people um, and then later have them come back and there's some sort of, cause I think what there was, I don't know if Tesla did it, but, uh, I think Twitter had a class action lawsuit, uh, Intel, I think might've, there, there was a, some of these bigger companies had, you know, it's not, it's not difficult for these employees to bring class action lawsuit, you know, just to group everyone together. Cause again, the actual compliance is not, not really difficult at all. You just need to have the, going back to what we said earlier, you need to have the plan in place and, you know, once you have that, even if you're, even if you decided 30 days out that you needed to do it, it's definitely worth waiting that extra 30 days and giving them the actual adequate, you know, sufficient notice in order to do so, because it's going to be what the penalties I believe are, uh, back paying benefits for up to 60 days, um, you know, depending on how many days it was. So <laughs> you don't want to yeah. deal with that, obviously. So it's, it's definitely worth just doing it the right way and providing adequate notice, both on the federal and state level. Right. So, I mean, and, and, and when it comes to the other nuances of how the notices are supposed to go and these kind of, if, if you are even considering the fact that you may have to comply with a warn notice, this is definitely not something you do by yourself. It's not even something that most HR uh, professionals or HR departments are trained to handle. Um, these are sometimes once-in-a-lifetime events that uh, a trained attorney or experienced attorney in this particular area is really, really necessary. I know we say that in general, but in, in this case in particular, um, one of the other yeah, one of the other things that I I think is probably like from a from a warn notice perspective, it's either you have to comply or not. From a discrimination perspective, this is this is a little bit harder to. Um, 
manage in certain companies. Uh, and this is what I mean. So picture a large company and you have to reduce your workforce by, let's just say, 1,000 employees. Okay? Now, how do you do that? Uh, it's unlikely that all of thou- you want to lay off 1,000 employees in one department or lay off, you know, or perhaps, perhaps maybe it's like one location, like the, you know, the, we talked about the, uh, a single site of employment. If that's closing, if it's 50 employees or more, then that triggers the Warren Act, for example. But I'm talking about what if you just need to reduce across the board 1,000 employees? How do you decide which employees are going to be let go? Well, typically, in most organizations, they have uh, multiple layers of management, et cetera. It's, it's from the top down. It's like, okay, this department, we need to reduce your employment cost by 10%. And this department, 20%. This department, 50%. Okay? And it, and it flows down until you get to a point where there's actually people making decisions on which people, right? And of course, it's going to be, it's like a, they're going to talk to the supervisors of those individuals. And, um, and so that's where you get into problems because if you have a team of five people and the manager is deciding which of those five is going to be terminated and they decide to terminate the person that has, um, you know, maybe they just filed a complaint um, about them in HR or they, they're from a completely different race than the other four individuals and the, and the manager and they terminate that person. These things that are maybe looked at on a one-to-one basis for termination when you're, you know, these risk analysis from a termination is often missed when you're doing it through a mass layoff because it's hectic and, and time sensitive it's a, to, to actually make decisions. And so these kind of things, when it comes to discrimination lawsuits, it's incredibly common to have this occur in any kind of mass layoff situation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the tricky component to this, but it's not different from just a normal you know, you have a department of five people and you're terminating one of the five and, you know, how do you make that decision? But I think it just gets heightened because there's more people being terminated. So there's, there's more, uh, coming into play you know. but, but yeah, you're right. exactly right. It's, you have, let's like, just, again, you have a department of five people. They all have the same, let's say they all have the same position and you're going to do a mass layoff and you're going to lay off, you know, one of the five or two of the five. And you're looking at it, you're talking about different genders, talk about different nationalities, different, you know, different races. I mean, it's, you have to, or I guess, um, different ages too. It's like all, all, any of those protected classes, it's, it's definitely something. And I know the ones that we've done in the past, it's, it's, it's analysis that needs to be done because we need to look at that. Basically you just need to, well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> In general, you, you, you want to, you want to make sure, you want to make sure in general, this is not the, the legal advice. It's not disproportionately against one of those protected classes versus the other. Um, that's not the end all be all, but just, that's a general guideline, but it's not, you can't live by it, that rule. It, but. It's a, it's a way to discover whether or not there are individuals within your organization that may be making right. decisions that are based upon race, for example. Right. right. And to question that. and. Um, and, and that's the thing, too, is that when, when you're terminating one person, then there's typically some, uh, what's the word, deliberation. Um, there's multiple people involved and so forth. But some, because of the nature of mass layoffs and because often it's just coming from the top, communication is actually very protected until the 
decision is announced. And because of that, like you, you see this very goofy situation. Like I, I, um, I knew somebody that they, their team, uh, the, it was a big organization. They were going through layoffs and their team leader was continuously giving assurances to them. Like, Hey, you guys are protected. You know, I know they're going through another round of layoffs, but I've been reiterated that, you know, our, our team is, uh, particularly protected. And that day of that particular conversation, that team leader was terminated. Right. And so <laughs> you can imagine that, like, like even, even in that situation, she didn't know that, you know, she was on the chopping block. And because of that, like, um, these, these kind of deliberations or considerations that, you know, getting a call from, uh, to your attorney, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to meet with uh, somebody, this individual tomorrow. I'm going to terminate this person because of X, Y reasons. I just wanted to get your advice. There's none of that. I mean, how are you, how are you going to have that kind of conversation on a thousand employees, right? It's just not practical. And so, so that means that you have to make an extra effort to figure out how to address that, which is really difficult. And we, we kind of did the analysis in reverse here because step one is looking at exactly what we've just been talking about and making sure there's nothing discriminatory. And then step two is actually the, you know, the, the procedural aspect of the war notice. If it's, if you have to, you know, give that notice to, to the employees. So, but it's, yeah. it's definitely, I mean, if we're talking mass layoffs from a legal aspect, um, you know, this is, this is probably, this is the big one. I mean, there's other, obviously other considerations in play, but, you know, that's, that's the, the big item, the big ticket item that, um, you have to worry about, but again, it's, it's only for, for larger employees. So, or sorry, employers. So right. know, a lot of these small, smaller company, you know, if you have a, if you have 10 employees and you're terminating half of them, yeah, that's, I guess you could view that as a mass layoff, but not from the perspective of the Warn Act. So, right. So here, here's a quick one or two tips on how to actually avoid discrimination, uh, First is you, it's ideal to establish a clear objective criteria. Now, you can't do this well unless you have retained, uh, frankly, objective evaluations of your employees. Because if you're going to terminate the lowest performers, you have to have documentation of their performance. So ideally, their job performance should be probably the number one objective criteria. Um, as objective as it can can be, of course. Then things like seniority and other skills on paper, those are things that are perfectly, you know, you can document and justify the termination. And then then you just have to avoid the um, the subjective factors coming into play. In other words, instead of having the individuals that um, necessarily are working with those individuals' day-to-day perspective, you, you have one person... Uh, one level above that, that then assesses, okay, I recommend these individuals based upon what's on paper to be terminated. Then you go to that employee, that, that one level up of these, the supervisor direct reports, and you advise them, these are the people that I'm uh, uh, thinking about terminating. Is there any reason why we should change this? And then see, there, there may be some, oh, well, this person, you know, yeah, they went to so-and-so college, but they're really horrible, right? Um, those kind of, you know, uh, those are subjective, but those are some things, some feedback that maybe you want to make some decisions that are different than what's on paper. And really, that's there's not much else to it than that um, in order to avoid any kind of discriminatory kind of actions. I mean, unfortunately, uh, and we've talked about this, sometimes you fall into a situation where someone is terminated 
and they believe unjustly, why me and not the other person, they may come up with their own reasons. And, and even if it's not the actual reason, um, if you have failed to document their poor performance or even their mediocre performance or the, their performance that is not stellar compared to others, then you might get into trouble when it comes to the justification of their termination. Yeah, we're right at the finish line of this episode. I knew you'd lead me into an office <laughs> reference. Sure. When he tries to fire, it was like one of the first couple episodes when they're trying, Michael has to fire someone and uh, Dylan, right? I think it was his right. name. That was he's one like, of the first Creed. episodes, second episode. Yeah, he's yeah. like, he's like Creed. He's like, fire him. Yeah. So yeah, it's exactly what you just said. They're, why me? You know, but, and then right. actually he turned, Michael got turned on it. So. <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, he actually changed his mind. Yeah, or did he? Yeah, he actually ended up firing that. Well, it I was, think he, he spoke. He spoke to Creed first, and then yeah, yeah. Then the the other conversation I just mentioned. Yeah, it was went yeah. both ways. But and it, it it is funny because like uh, it's a very and those who have terminated individuals and uh, are probably aware of this. It's a very common conversation you have. Is there's this there's this kind of negotiation of. Some, not everybody, but negotiation to try to avoid the termination, right? And it's, uh, I mean, in theory, it should never, it, sh- it should never be a negotiation. But <laughs> in that episode, of course, Michael changes his mind, um, uh, which I think is funny. He's, he's also, he's also uh, uh, entered in situations where I think there was one where someone quit and then said, no, you're not, you don't quit. I, I, you're fired, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is of course horrible because of, you know, from an employer's perspective, you have unemployment insurance, but also I, they mentioned something about severance because uh, I think, um, but we should talk about severance actually, because uh, so oftentimes uh, in, in large and small companies, uh, it's not uncommon to have severance packages as part of the layoff process. And of course, I mean, this is kind of an open secret. The biggest benefit of any kind of severance package is what? Is the release of liability of the employer, right? Yep. That is what you're paying for. I know that sounds crass because obviously if you're letting someone go, you want to give them kind of a parachute out um, so that they can have a soft landing. But the reality is, is that's what, um, uh, that, is, that is a way to kind of hash out any kind of issues that there may be. You have individuals that are refusing to sign a severance. Well, maybe there's an issue surrounding that. Um, and maybe, maybe they just want more. They're like, well, look, I have some issues um, I'm going to bring up unless I get paid more. And that, that happens all the time. And uh, sometimes yeah. having some kind of, it's, it's, in fact, it's probably advisable to have some kind of package of, of, of severance when you're doing a mass layoff. And it, the, it kind of ties into the, your previous point too about the discrimination you the severance should be applied equally, you know, just based on, just based on really everything. Objectively, but, right. Yeah. And, yeah. Objectively. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people ask us how much severance and there's kind of a, I don't know, unwritten rule or standard that we often see, which is one week of salary per year. Um, and that, that typically changes when you get into, um, uh, the, uh, when, when you get into the executive level, right? There's Correct. an expectation right. of, of something more. And then, of course, if there's any kind of, if the termination is, uh, I don't know, high risk, right? Um, then that rule is often deviated. But, you know, I, again, this is a rule of thumb, not an actual rule. Yeah, right. yeah, it's, I mean, well, unless you have 
you know, guidelines in some sort of handbook and play handbook or something like that. But that's pretty, yeah. pretty uncommon to see. Well, it is. We don't, we don't or, recommend Or it could be in their employment that, agreement uh, sometimes for executives, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking top, top tier level. Yeah. It's a little bit different, but, but yeah, usually won't see some sort of set guidelines that you know have to be adhered to. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a good point too. It's, uh, that definitely is another factor. I'm sure we talked about that in the, the termination episode. I think we did. Yeah, at I'm, least. I'm, I'm certain. Um, okay, and some of the other couple of minor items before we finish up on um, that are possibly, it, again, it's not, it's not unique to mass layoffs, but things like uh, COBRA, you know, health insurance for uh, giving them access to health insurance afterwards. That's something that, you know, it's mandated by law and they have access to that. Communicating that and providing that information is, is pretty important. And also, again, part of, part of having that soft landing, um, as well as like um, some of the things that you have to deal with, perhaps not that's unique for mass layoffs is when people are on leave. Like typically in, in general, it's frowned upon um, to terminate somebody that is on medical leave, maternity leave or FMLA or whatever, um, because, well, that can look like it's being discriminatory towards that person for taking leave, which again would pretty much be an automatic lawsuit. Uh, but in a layoff situation, when you're terminating a thousand people, there's going to be a certain percentage of that population that's going to be on leave. And just because they're on leave doesn't mean that they're necessarily protected from being laid off. Uh, and the unfortunate part is that if an employee is laid off during certain FMLA leaves, uh, they're some of their job protection um, uh, kind of rules do not apply anymore, and it is possible to do that. But again, this is something that you know you should be careful with as far as to how to handle that. A little bit different, right? Yeah, just another consideration. Uh, I was going through my notes. I don't know if this qualifies as a mass layoff or not, but my favorite layoff story of the year so far. I, we didn't talk about it. Was uh, I think it, it was Google? I believe right that. Okay. They, the people that had, you know, because they had their badges and then they just showed up to work. I think this was in January. They showed up to work and either oh. their badge worked or, or it didn't. <laughs> yeah. And then if it didn't, they, they're all confused. Like, well, and so they would just, you know, they walk. It's like, oh, this must be a malfunction. They would walk into their security there that escorted them out. If their yeah. badge, like that's that that's how they found out they got terminated. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, That's don't just, don't do I, we it. we actually did a real uh, skit about that exact situation. Remember, I think right, it was uh, right. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was Trang that was uh, we were, she, her card wasn't working, and then as if she was being laid off. So. Like, yeah, oh yeah, that, it the, was it was we did how what are the worst ways or the ways not to fire somebody something like that. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, I said I don't know if that falls under the category of mass layoff. I can't remember. How many? But uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the worst, right? It's... It 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 is. I mean, it's it is goofy. It's like who thinks of these things? Like, okay, we need to we need to terminate everybody. Um, what should we? You know, how should we do it? Well, why don't we just turn off their key cards and then lock the door? That's perfectly normal, <laughs> you know. Um... Well, you you say that in a a couple off. Uh... Well, at this point, it would have been what two, two or three offices ago. The the bottom floor was this Italian market, uh, and I guess they basically did that to their. Oh, I mean, all of their employees. They just, the employees oh, okay. showed they up just one day down. and it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just shut down, and they didn't pay them. And 
that was yeah. that. So it does happen. It does happen. It's uh, it does happen. Unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if you're going out of business at that point, you probably just don't care. Well, all right. I think that's our episode. Hopefully these mass layoffs um, continue to stop or continue to be isolated at least. You know, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm, from what I'm hearing, even if there's a, these mass layoffs in the tech sector, the tech sector is still doing pretty well. So I, I think they're just transferring to other jobs. But, um, but let's see. Hopefully it's, uh, you know, things continue to stay well. Yeah, we're not hoping we we don't like to talk about this topic. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, you, you know, we, what do you mean? You love this is you, you to, wanted yeah. to talk about this. Let's let's talk about people's misery. I think that's what you were saying last week, right? That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Forgot about that. You forgot about that. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Yep, keep it sound, keep it smart. You just listened to Legally Sound Smart Business with Asar Pasha and Matt Staub. For more information about the podcast, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. This podcast is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening to or engaging with the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice but rather is produced for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do not rely on the information on this podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and does not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. This podcast may contain portrayals of clients by non-clients, reenactment of scenes, and persons which are not actual or authentic, and depictions which are a dramatization.